This is the one with the subdued stylings of Brian Blessed. Showing respect to a sagacious inquisitor. Pluto Barney and a bunch of jabbers. But not a debating society for psychopathic sociopaths. It's called Trial of a Time Lord Part 2. And it's known as Mind Warp. Here we Here go. Here we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Thalan, Ood, and the Cybertronic race. Some Torrens look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? What up, Podcast Land, and welcome to a fantastic episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Oh, Doc Past. Dang right, Jim Cakes. Yeah, that's right, I said Jim Cakes, Podcast Land. I am joined across the ether by the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend. It is Jim Cakes. Hello, Jim. Hello, it's me. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, very good introduction, Leon. Hello, Leon. Hello, Podcast That's man. me. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and that's you're very you. welcome, Cakes. Yes, I am Leon. And today, Jim and I are going to be talking about Mind Warp, the second installment of The Trial of a Time Lord, or A Trial of a Time Lord, one of those two. Jim uh, maybe Cakes. just Trial of a Time Lord. <laughs> that's probably the winner. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Jim Cakes, how would you say this one compares to part one? I maybe go out on a limb and say less favorably. <laughs> yeah, seconded. Seconded. This marks a pretty distinct drop in quality, I think. I mean, yeah. I don't know how harsh I am feeling about this. It was a little bit of a chore to get through. Yeah. I felt. It has some fantastic elements to it, though. Yeah. I mean, it's jam-packed. Even for a classic serial, I felt like there was so much going on all the time. Oh my god, and yes! I was quite confused, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, same. There are huge chunks of this serial where you just go, wait, did they build all of that up just to be a, you know, a, a, a pinprick of a plot point? Like, did they, yeah. they introduce that weird dinosaur species that's coming over to have a negotiation and then you just hear them say some squeaky things and that's it. Like, oh, wait, most most productions don't want to waste a dinosaur. <laughs> and this serial <laughs> has two wasted dinosaurs, which is incredible. I assume There's the first one, in the one beginning. is what I called, I called it like a killer crab, but killer, dinosaur. Oh, is it a crab? I thought it was a dinosaur. I don't know. <gasps> I, th- Maybe, I thought I saw no, a pencil. You might be right. Oh, you're right. No, you're totally right. They called it the rack or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is this is very detailed information. I think we're giving. You're out. so right. Yeah. Should we take I mean, a meta step and sort of yeah summarize this in 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 a bit that fits in one's mouth? <laughs> oh, you mean bite size? That's right. Yeah. That's huh? what I said. Is that not exactly what I said? I feel like that's exactly what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but if if you then if you do the bite, what do you call the bit yep. you've now got that is bite size? Oh, a piece. A piece. A bite-sized piece okay. of who? <laughs> a bite-sized piece of who? Right. Sorry about that. <laughs> We're going with that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it was fine. I'm happy for it to be a beast bow. <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, lubify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free-for-all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. 
Right, 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 who? As the trial of our favourite Time Lord continues, the court is MSD3K'd to the Doctor's most recent adventure on the planet of Thoros Beta, a planet so mesmerisingly and distractingly coloured that he and Perry soon venture below ground instead. There, they encounter a sharp-toothed monster, but the first of many genetically manipulated creatures in this world, and learn that the population of Thoros Beta are at the economical, despotic mercy of none other than Sil, a vengeance of Varos fame, and his master, Kiv. Kiv is suffering from an overly expansive cranium and needs a brain transplant pronto, which is why they keep a mad scientist on payroll. Crozier, that's the demented surgeon in question, has not only been scientifically enslaving people to work for Kiv, but has been working to perfect his ultimate creation, a device that allows him to transplant the mind of any living being into any other. And with Doc and Perry on Thoris Beta, it would seem he has two fresh subjects for his experiments. Beescow over. Oh, you are welcome. Aren't you just podcast land? Jim Cakes, dude, where are we starting? That is a lot to unpack. Like, all of that is just a drop in the ocean of this serial. And that's I mean, already really quite a lot. Is. Yeah. Yes. So where do you want to start? Oh, dear God. I mean, he will come blasting his way in through the door any second. So <laughs> we could just get... <laughs> Mr. Blessed himself out of the way if you want. <laughs> yeah. Happily, or do you have very happy. Do you have a nice question to get off your chest? Oh, I'm 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 happy to go with Brian Blessed. In fact, how about this? I'll ask you a question about Brian Blessed. Sure. Has he ever given a restrained performance? I mean, I feel like it's quite safe to say no. <laughs> <laughs> wow holy smokes i've only ever seen him scream and yell and be utterly magnificent <laughs> and he does not yeah. disappoint I mean, did you like him did you did you i mean he's brian blessed so of course i liked him like yeah. i mean half of my score on giving this serial is probably just the fact that he's in it <laughs> <laughs> but then i think this might be one of the worst things i've seen him <laughs> like his performance I know, in this same is I know, not it's great such a <laughs> It's it's like it's low Brian Blessed, so it's still Brian Blessed. Like the way we rate the Who, these classic and new Who yeah, episodes. Exactly. Like yeah, it's always I mean, on a different I mean, marker to other things, yeah. you know. But yeah, if it's Brian Blessed, it's going to be wonderful, even if it's utter shit. It is still better than some of the best stuff starring anyone else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, it's was when was this? When was this shot? Take. We are in nineteen eighty six. I believe. Wow. Uh, yeah. Later in 1986. This, yeah, it was aired in October. Pretty much covered the entire month of October. Yeah. 1986. And we looked this up before pressing record podcast lands. Flash Gordon, which starred Brian Blessed, that came out in 1980. So a good six years beforehand. This role was apparently written specifically with Brian Blessed in mind. Oh, oh Kel Surprise. And is it not? Is it not basically? Is he not basically the same character he played in Flash Gordon, just without the wings? Mm, pretty similar, I guess. I'm trying to think. He was also I mean, royalty. Me... <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. To me, I forget what the the character in, in Flash Gordon is actually called. Uh, but Prince to me, Fulton. that is Fulton. Okay, that is just Brian Blessed. Like I don't think yeah. he was acting. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's true. So that was just Brian Blessed, but he did play a he did play royalty. He was Prince, Prince of Alton. Here he is King, whatever it is. He was also very warrior-like. I'm pretty sure he talks a lot about wanting to die in battle or, you know, dying honorably. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I I imagine there are a lot of parallels that I don't have on the tips of my fingers, but 
I can see definite similarities, that's for sure. But he was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he must have been a big name to have on screen at the time. Maybe Flash Gordon was a bit of a sleepy thing around that, and now it's a cult hit in retrospect. I can't quite recall. I was just looking through his rap sheet, and maybe it isn't actually that big a deal, because three years before this, he appeared in The Blackadder, the first series of Blackadder. So he's already popping up for the BBC. That's true. Post Flash Gordon. One of the few things I saw in trivia was that he declined a major movie role in order to feature in this serial. Oh, wow. Interesting. So just like Brian Blessed is a really big get for Doctor Who, clearly Doctor Who is kind of a big get for Brian Blessed. Like he's thinking, wait, yeah. hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- that's fine. Probably get way more money elsewhere and I might be in cinemas and whatever, but this is Doctor Who. How, who turns down Doctor Who? Yeah, damn straight. Not yeah. Brian Blessed. No, bless him. Well done, Brian. Bless him indeed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I've got one more question yeah. about him. Okay. Or about his character, rather. Is he in Yellowface? There was a moment where he did some chanting or something, which really did worry me that they were leaning that way. I didn't notice stuff necessarily with his look beyond the samurai helmet, because yeah. he has very distinctive makeup where his, his nose had lines and stuff on it. So the makeup I didn't recognize as distinctively like East Asian or I, I, I didn't pick it up as being particularly Japanese or Chinese or anything like that. But maybe it's just I didn't, I don't know the reference if they were picking a reference. Well, I'm, I'm not really an expert here either, but you're totally right. The outfit, the helmet in particular, seems very samurai inspired. And that, I think, coupled with whatever's going on with his eyebrows and he's got some eye makeup as well the sort of pointy lines at the 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 corners of his eyes which i i wonder if they're there to kind of they're there to emphasize or at least hint at a slightly different eye shape and i wasn't entirely sure what they were going for there yeah i mean i definitely had twangs of worry but mm. i didn't i didn't think it was intentional perhaps or maybe okay. maybe he let into it one point because he picked up the samurai helmet and the director didn't catch him or something. I don't know. <laughs> you mentioned his chanting before. How do you feel about that? All the chanting and all the sound effects that he does. does whichever one does he do? Because I picked up on the whistling. The whistling was very obvious. Does he do other <laughs> sound effects? The whistling is amazing. <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm just looking at the transcript and occasionally you'll see something like, Irkanos, I am Irkanos, king of Krontep. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> a few mentions of him whistling, you're right. Either way, I really liked it. He did some sound effects when he went into fights. He it wouldn't be like a hiya as he punched someone. It would be ping dong, you know, like just completely oh, really? incongruous sound effects that he was would make. I really liked it. Yeah, I, I didn't quite get on board with this character. I didn't understand how it fit with everything else, to be mm. honest. And I oh, was yeah. enjoying the fact that, you know, Brian Blessed was here. But like I say, I don't think this is the best performance he's given and it's the it's not the best thing he's been in either. No, I agree with that. I think the best thing, this might be the last thing I have to say about his character, but I think the best thing about it is his performance. Because th- this is a guy who's just, he. there is never a half measure of Brian Blessed. <laughs> he, has a, he has a character and he's just going to go all in. This is 150% of a performance, which is mad yep. and very admirable. There are actually two things I have to say on that note, because the first one is I love that they actually lean into that and make it canon in the episode that you get the the other guy who isn't Sil or Kiv that's randomly just sat in the 
what looks like a bathtub. I mean, yeah, he's clearly in a bathtub to be quiet. <laughs> and yeah, he just hates how loud Brian Blessed is, and it's just like, okay, yep, right, you've done a bit of fourth wall break, fourth wall breaking there, kind of in a way. That's nice. Yeah. And then the other thing is, there is one scene where this character has to be really, really quiet and is like engaged with Perry because he is confused what love is. He doesn't understand this word love. Oh, yeah. And I think it could have been really nice, but it, it just really didn't work. And I thought that was utterly cringeworthy <laughs> and terrible. This, this warrior going, and I just, I don't know, it just made me think of Lord of the Rings where Gollum is just going, What's Taters, Hobbit? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Brian Blessed going, What's love, Hobbit? <laughs> it's just <laughs> It was just so weird. <laughs> and then ironically, he feels that Perry is his betrothed. So Perry explains yeah, to him what no, lo- love is, and by the end of the serial he wants to marry her. Yeah. Did I skip a bit where this changed in his mind about their relationship? Or did he just suddenly proclaim, Ah, oh, that's my queen to be? Oh, I think you probably blinked. <laughs> oh, okay. That was not a fully fleshed out written transition. From one second to the next, they they have parted ways and he is... I don't think he's in love with her as such, but he just finds her formidable. That yeah. may be because the only other person on the planet he has so far encountered is a dog. Like, there's... <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't really get it. Actually, can we talk about who lives on this planet? Yeah, it's the home planet of Syl and Kiv and whatever their species is. They are called the Mentors. and That's, that's their species name. Okay, right. That's that their makes species, more sense. yeah. They are the Mentors. And you're right, yeah. So we get Syl and Kiv, are, I guess, the main ones. Then we have that quiet, please, yada, yada, yada. The, the librarian. Bars. The librarian, exactly. <laughs> But that's it for mentors on this planet. It's like everyone else is a humanoid, often with some kind of lines in either next to their ears or on their nose, sometimes possibly without any lines. Like the surgeon doesn't have any lines on his face, but the nurse or his assistant, doctor, whatever, she has lines, I think, next to her ears. Okay. Either way, they're not jabbers. They're not mentors. What's the dealio? Is this a planet of humanoids and then there's like a minority of really financially savvy slugs? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems that way. I mean, they they have slaves. Like, this is the kind of people that they are. Yeah. They rule by threatening. Like, sort of Damocles dang- dangling over the episode is that Kiv is going to get his bodyguards to bodyguards to kill everyone if his brain transplant doesn't go to plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, none of these people are here, like, willingly, really hoping stuff goes well for, I don't know, for the sake for of... anyone. Yeah. Anyone, yeah. <laughs> it's just, we don't want to die. And also, the, the mad scientist guy really does want to master this idea of moving one consciousness from one body Yeah, to he's another, super you know? into this one bit of science, which I think we also need to discuss to a certain degree, because I don't feel like... Yeah, anyway, maybe put a pin in the science. But, so, on this planet, is this a planet with multiple native species? Or is this a planet of of mentors and they've been bringing, like, kidnapping people, basically, and putting a chip in their brain and now enslaving them? I assume the latter. Okay. Like, they have that room where they were bringing in slaves and they were, like, testing them for viability or something. Like I don't know. There was Yeah, exactly. That, and, like, that are gorgeous... they going to reject the beautiful? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, the gorgeous set with the, like, two circular in and out bits and... yeah. Yes, absolutely stunning. It's like the most attractive uh, airport terminal ever. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's very nice. Actually, a lot of fantastic production value in this episode or serial. But okay, so if they are, if they've been kidnapped, who is Brian Blessed? I, I honestly do not understand that part of it at all. And the person they meet up with later, Mr. Poncho, <laughs> is he part of Brian Blessed's like tribe group? Whatever. Is, do you? And then, wh- but they don't do recognize mean? him. Oh, do you mean in like episode three or something like that? When when they they're nearly killed, but then they're just kind of recruited to join forces. Is that the one? Or do you mean Pluto the dog? Yeah. No, not not the dog guy. I mean, he's just dog boy. So <laughs> he's not <laughs> contrib- contributing a lot until he gets shot, and then then he's no more. I think this yeah. character is called Tuzza. Okay. Yeah, and I think I glossed over a little bit of how that all worked. Because I'm sure Ikonos was taking Perry there to meet these people. I think so, yeah. Like there was, that was an intentional meeting, but then it all kind of backfired, perhaps. I don't know. Do you, seem to have... Can you explain this to me? Come on. I'm like, why? <laughs> what? I'm the one asking this question, dude. This is highly <laughs> irregular. So, you're right. I think Ikonos, Brian Blessed, is taking Perry there. He's like, we need, re- we basically need an army. So we're going to go here, we're going to meet these people, and they're going to serve me, and we're going to, we're going to fight and win. They capture them, immediately go, well, you're like, either spies, or you've been chipped, or you are, or for whatever reason, we don't trust you, we're just going to murder you. <laughs> but yeah. they do recognize him, and when he says, like, hey, I'm Urkonos, king of the whatever, Hawkman, they go, oh yeah, we've heard of you, yeah, no, no, absolutely, but we still can't trust you, what's your plan, blah, blah, blah. Which, to me, suggests that these are, like, maybe peoples on this planet, rather than they've been kidnapped from the same planet elsewhere. Because, like, why would he he say, hey, we'll go to this part of the underground, and maybe we'll bump into some other escaped kidnappees? I mean, I guess it is possible they they did escape and they've made a little commune out there somewhere. Because there's a later mm-hmm. point as well where one of the lead guard people like catches them all and says, "Oh, we knew about your weapon stash out here. Like we knew everything that was happening. Oh, you're out right. Here, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so what about that lead guard? That lead guard is not a slug. That lead guard is another oh, no. human. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean. The people, the people that are working for them, like the guard and the doctor, the doctor guy. I can imagine yeah. they've just hired them. Like these, these are business oh, okay. people, trade people. That makes sense. They're all about commerce, and I'm sure they would, they would hire people to do work for them. And that kind of makes sense. But then I don't understand that little, that little group of mercenaries, whatever rebels, possibly natives, yeah. like you say. I don't know. That's what I don't fully understand. There's. The gods who are in the employ of Kiv, anyway, I mean, we could, we could debate this forever and never reach conclusion, but it, it just seems weird to me that the gods who have been, who are employed by Kiv, they're not chipped. We get that, frankly, awesome scene when, when they sabotage whatever mechanism it is that controls all the people who have been chipped. Irkonos, oh, yeah. Brian Blessed just like starts pulling wires, and then everyone who's chipped just starts walking around in a circle going <laughs> utterly bonkers. Which is fantastic. It's tragic, but it is also hilarious. Lloyd. And the gods aren't affected by this, so they're clearly not chipped. So they find loyalty towards them. They're happy to True. work for them for whatever reason, possibly even ideological reasons. I don't know. It, it just seems unexplored. Maybe it's explored elsewhere, but it doesn't feel like it's been properly fleshed out here. Yeah. I mean, it, it's possible we've missed stuff as well, but mm. it does feel... I, happens all the time with these serials and i say it all the time you know this melting pot of stuff that hasn't quite solidified into (laughs) unique story elements it's still got the little bits of 
original ingredient still hanging around. Where am I going with this metaphor? Jesus. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down, man. That's, that's okay. good. <laughs> good. At least someone is. <laughs> I'm just making a mess over here with my melting pot. But you know, th- this one, we were talking before we started recording that this would have yeah. been a Robert Holmes script, most likely, because he was meant to write right. all of all of the ti- trial of a time lord yeah. sadly passed away at some point during this production of, during the uh, production know, of this, this series yeah this particular is it actually yeah. this serial right yeah well it's in the TARDIS wiki trivia as it was during the production of this serial so I, I don't know if that actually now in hindsight maybe that refers to the serial trial of a time lord but yeah my impression was yeah. it was during this who is credited as but having I, written this so the, the, yeah this one philip is martin. is credited to philip martin it's not even yeah. like co-credited to robert holmes but presumably you know if you were tasked to write for the trial of a time lord which is an entire season yeah like, you would have had like big points maybe uh, like overview of what each flashback episode is going to be the arc of you know the entire storyline i I can imagine he would have put in that kind of work and then someone else is coming along and had to pick up the pieces sort of thing yeah the the first serial is credited to him so that's the complete serial that he wrote and he yeah he so he's he died sadly in may end of may 86 okay this broadcast in october but anyway, okay, yeah. I, what I was getting at is there's a fair chance that someone, Robert Holmes, wrote lots of stuff that was meant to be, you know, the overall theme of this serial. And then someone's coming along, tried to flesh it out and maybe messed up some of the elements, didn't realize they could have dropped some of the elements, you know, maybe didn't apply the normal editorial process because, I mean, the yeah, guys exactly. just died as well, you know. But yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff in here. Like you, you said earlier, like this random thing about the the this meeting with this other like alien alien sort of dragon people. Yeah, exactly. You just show up people. with squeaky voices. <laughs> yeah, and it's probably not even 30 seconds, is it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, not even. Such effort has gone into just the outfit, the set, absolutely everything, just to set that scene and everything, but we, we really don't need it. And it, I don't feel that it's in keeping with Sill's character either. I, okay, here's for anyone who doesn't remember Vengeance on Varos. In brackets, I barely remember it myself. In Vengeance on Varos, we learn that the mentors, they are, they're like all about profit. One of the reasons they say here that Sill wants to, wants Kiv to survive is because Kiv is so incredibly good at negotiating that there's so much to learn from him and all that matters to Sill is basically just making a profit. And in that scene where the dragon person shows up and Kiv is in the process of negotiating with them, Sill starts like shouting and interrupting about how yeah. Brian Blessed's escaped. So it's like, well, this this is not in keeping with your character. This is not in keeping with anything, in fact. And it's a scene that we should just have cut. <laughs> like, we shouldn't have <laughs> <Yes>. had it. <laughs> yeah. No, I 100% agree. Because that's still like the end goal. Like, it's the motivation on top of the threat of death. <laughs> but it's the motivation yeah. for, you know, Kiv's brain transplant to go successfully. And, you know, it's it's what Syl is after. It's what the others are, you know, driving towards so that Syl is happy, Kiv is happy, no one gets killed. Yeah. But you don't have to scene in the negotiation. You're right. You don't need no, that we, scene. We don't need it. We don't even need the negotiation to start because we don't get to see it conclude. It's not like, oh, exactly. thank goodness we managed to strike a bargain. Like, no, we don't know what happened at all. <laughs> 
So don't like don't worry about it. Just have it be he's in charge. His brain is too large for his cranium, and he because he's in charge, he orders that his brain be placed somewhere else. Like basically turn this into what's it called? The Tom Baker episode. Do you know the one I'm thinking of? Is it Morbius? Yes, it's the brain of Morbius. Brain of Morbius. Turn this into the brain of Morbius, where Kiv just needs to put his brain in someone else. And that's what the whole thing is about. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, yeah, I hadn't realized that we had this storyline before with the brain of Morbius. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> okay. <laughs> very similar. Very similar. Yeah. No, I mean, that, yeah, that we don't need to see the weird negotiation. They could have saved back on whoever spent half an hour on that costume of the pink dinosaur reptile person. I'm so glad that we get it, though. It's another Vindex icon. I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> All about the Vindex. Go to whobackwhen.com. <laughs> yeah, this episode gets like seven new Vindex icons or something like that. Like there's a crazy <laughs> amount of characters or, or you know, species and etc. That's terrific. Are you okay. counting all the mutants? Is is Dog Boy in there? Absolutely, Dog Boy needs to be in there. We need we need a dog mutant. We need the crustacean. I thought was a lizard. We need the lizard person. Who else? Who else? I feel like there's more. I feel like there's more. The people with like stripes on their faces. Yeah, possibly the, the the people that may or may not know, well, who knew who Brian Blessed was, but probably weren't his people. Exactly. But then Brian Blessed. We need Brian people. Blessed's whatever whatever he yeah. is. I'm sure there's some novelization where he's determined. We're now at six. I can think of one seventh one. I don't know if there are more. A seventh one would be the Jabbers who have the poisonous stinger. Oh yeah, Chekhov's wasted poisonous stinger. <laughs> The, my the God, one... yes, I didn't actually write it in my notes. It's in my mental yeah. notes. It's in my mental notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's in his mental notes. How? Okay, you know what? I'm sorry. I can't remember what we were talking about before. Strike all that. Let's talk about Chekhov's wasted stinger. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, yeah, I, I literally was looking through the transcript to try and find how they talked about it. His primeval sting. His tail contains venom enough to kill. Like, yeah, it was such a labored point about... It's still this guy who is the same species as them, I assume. Is he the same species? Because well, I mean, Kiv and Stinger don't similar. have that stinger. But they don't have the stinger. No. What, what do they say? He is of the same branch of mutation and almost certainly from your home Maya, my lord. Oh, right. Okay. Like, I mean, I, I don't even know what the hell that's meant to mean. He's a different <laughs> color. He has a stinger. Yeah. Same but otherwise mutation. looks very much the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mutation yeah. might be, you know, uh, same branch of evolution. That, that could be what it is, you know. Like, hey, you're yeah. both Homo sapiens, you're both Neanderthal, whatever, you know. Hey, you're, you're both You're both Jabbers. aquatic looking but hate water. Exactly. <laughs> All right, how about this? I haven't watched ahead, so I don't know what happens in the rest of trial of a time lord is it possible do you think that this is going to spurn another tangent and another tangent and another tangent when kiv's mind goes into perry is perry's mind transferred into his body or is it just erased because if it's transferred into his body then we can still rescue perry and perry might use the stinger okay that's a that's a long gambit for chekhov's stinger but there is true Okay, this this might unravel into a big tangent as well. Okay, but okay. anyway, the base point <laughs> is they say someone says 
probably Crozier, whatever he's called, Dr. Scientist Mad Person. He says <laughs> <laughs> that her mind has gone. Yeah, I, I remember that as and well, but... Obviously, something could have happened that he didn't expect. That's true. But he also... Uh, w- when Kiv in Perry's body awakens and it says, oh god, I can see my old body, kill it, kill it immediately, we can very clearly see that body, like, breathing. Like, they're, they're not trying to hide it. That that dude has just, like, got his eyes closed, but he's just, like, breathing away. Uh-oh. And the surgeon says, he's already dead, or it's already dead. It's like, no, it's not, buddy. It really isn't. It's, it, it's, it's yeah, very I mean- much alive. So I wonder if it's, like, it's dead in the sense that, oh, don't worry about it. Like, it's dead to me. But actually, Perry's in there, and Perry's going to wake up and go, fuck, this is the worst thing that's happened to me since I was turned into a bird lady. Now I'm a slug person. (laughs) (laughs) So the other thing which might spiral into a bigger conversation is the whole context of this, what do you call it? I don't know, this minnesota inside the serial the fact that they're watching the story unfold as part of the trial yeah like compared to last time i don't buy this (laughs) how so like mostly just the whole aspect of doc's behavior and then his like trying to cover it up in the trial but obviously being very unsure about what the real events were and all this kind of stuff yeah i don't get that either i agree so i'm prepared to believe at the moment you know nothing was as it seems like any of the stuff that we saw in this serial they can wipe off out of canon and say no that didn't really happen that way something else happened instead exactly they fabricated which yeah exactly so because he does say yeah there are the emphasis is all wrong something like that like yes i did all these things but i, I was just faking it yeah which i guess maybe it is just his awkwardness and like well, the way that he appears to really not care about what's going on and he gives up Perry, he is a turncoat. Like there are multiple scenes where that is the way the Sixth Doctor appears to be without remorse, without an yeah. obvious, oh no, he's just doing it as a ploy sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it could just be that those are the ones that have been messed up with and everything else involved. But then why only mess up normal. those? If the Valyard is tampering him. with evidence. Yeah, but if the Valyard is is tampering with evidence and is changing the appearance of certain scenes, like, oh yeah, now you're torturing Perry on the beach or you're running away from danger, leaving Perry and Brian Blessed to get shot or whatever it is. Yeah. Why would you then not edit out the bit where Doc suddenly reveals himself to be the good guy. <laughs> that just undoes the Valyard's argument completely. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll find why out. Why not do that in part one? Why this not is do the thing. that in the Mysterious Planet? Yeah, this is the thing that I think I'm, I struggle with this as the second part of this four-part serial, as we are watching and reviewing it. But it's also how it's presented. Like, it's cut up in these, you know, interluded with trial segments, but there's a, you know, video story that takes four episodes to watch. Like, it's very obviously chunked up that way. And then, yeah, you compare the two, and last last time we were like, like, the Valyard's got no case at all. This is just an episode showing how great Doc is, and, like, he's saving people and trying hard to not let bad things happen. It's like, that's really shitty evidence, Valyard. You've lost this case already. (laughs) I've just clicked ahead to see who wrote the other parts. Do you want to hear? Is it this guy again? Well, Terror of the Vervoids, which is the next one, which I can't wait to see, is Pip and Jane Baker, who I thought were the ones who took over after Robert Holmes sadly could no longer 
finish the production. The next one after that is The Ultimate Foe, and that's written by Robert Holmes and Pip and Jane Baker. That's the final two-parter, and... And I guess like part one was the was the last thing that he managed to write, and then Pip and Jane Baker wrote finished it. So was this whole thing written out of sequence? I mean, I guess it's there's not. So, there's uncommon. something that doesn't really add up to me. Sorry. I guess I can imagine Robert Holmes might have written like the first bit and knew how it was going to end, but hadn't fleshed out the middle bits. Perhaps. I mean, this is what I was trying to get at earlier, which I don't think I conveyed very well. But just the idea that he, I would have assumed someone tasked with writing an entire season would have had would lots have, of little yeah. plot points and various markers exactly. for what's going to happen. And someone is using those notes to write this script. And obviously, yeah. Pip and Jane Baker use more of those na- notes or possibly whole chunks of script for the last one. And that's why Robert Holmes is still credited. Yeah, very possibly. But anyway, that's not really what we were talking about. What were we talking about? <laughs> what were we talking about? I'm not sure. I, I can segue us out of that lack of self-insight. This was written by Philip Martin, we established. Philip Martin has written other stuff before. He wrote Vengeance on Varos. <laughs> so, oh, right. So he and... He created Sill. He has, aside from that, written a direct-to-DVD production of uh, of something called Sill and the Devil Seeds of Arador. So that's Sill again. He also wrote three books. Wait, is that the thing we Vengeance watched? You're right. I think it must be. Yeah, the, that that didn't look great. No, no, that did not. <laughs> he wrote three books, three, sorry, three target books, Vengeance on Varos, the novelization, Mind Warp, the novelization, and then he wrote something called Mission to Magnus, which I'm not going to... That's just like a straight up Doctor Who novel, and it has Sill on the cover. Yep. Okay. He's a bit obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's certainly proud of this absolutely let's see hang on i'm just gonna no okay he also oh he wrote a couple of uh, or a few audiobooks the creed of chromon whatever that is antidote to oblivion mission to magnus in fact and he started writing a play but unfortunately he passed away before it could be completed and that play was hmm. called sill and the avian uprising wow okay yeah Sorry, that was a very long, long tangent, which I will cut down in post. <laughs> Take us to something completely different here. Something completely different. Okay. I think Perry was really good in this. She was fantastic. Yeah. What What about her performance or characterization did, did you enjoy? Well, I think someone decided to write her a good role. And there were multiple points where basically she's commanding a situation in the way that you would expect a companion of the Doctor to be able to do. Like, yeah. the one that sprung to my mind was her and I just have to call him Brian, but that's blessed because I forget the character's name. When they're caught by the ponchos, she she's arguing for their lives like good and proper and I think manages to convince them pretty much I think maybe the the spotting of the king here but I think she mentions that this is the king and or you know and yeah I think so too she's not a damsel in distress through any of this I don't think I guess at the end no, maybe, and, like there's a oh no yeah you're she right she doesn't okay. need to be yes. rescued she isn't rescued but she does need to be rescued there okay no you're right it happens a lot <laughs> <laughs> But she certainly but yeah, has a I lot more agency than she usually has. Yeah, definitely. And there's still there's still some nice moments between Doc and her before Doc goes off the rails, I think. There was a nice thing that I wrote down when they got... I think they've been caught by the, the guards of Sill and Co. Like, the head guard is, like, talking to them. And Doc Doc's trying to 
I don't I can't remember exactly the setup, but pretend that he's working with them helping or something like that and sure. trying or pretending he's an actual medical doctor and he's he's there to do something proper. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, come around over nurse. here. Yeah. And we need to perform the skedaddle test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually really like that. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's the, <laughs> it's, I mean it's so lovely. terrible, but <laughs> I think that's great. That feels like genuine Doctor Who joviality to me. That's that's a lovely bit of comedy yeah. that we get in Doctor Who now and then. And I think she got some like little bit of flippancy as, as well when she's talking about Earth to Brian Blessed's character. She's kind of about oh how by the politicians. He'd like it there. There's lots of madmen playing at warriors and actors playing over the top in politics. <laughs> and then yeah. he asks what politics is, and she goes yakety yak talk. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think someone Perry decided that we can write good stuff for Perry in this serial, outside of the yeah. damseling bits, which, yeah. Do you have any idea what happens to her after this? Because we do encounter her, and we recently had her as a companion in one of the audiobooks. I mean, there's a big-ass spoiler on Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, so you know what happens. Oh, I see. I, well, I don't necessarily know what happens, but I know something about the state of this character as of now. <laughs> oh, wait, of... Of Perry, yeah, Perry, Perry's body or Perry's mind. I, I, I mean, I, I say, I'm assuming that Perry. Do you want spoiler in the way that no, I got spoiled? No, I don't want spoilers. No, well, well, okay, let's you know what? move on then. <laughs> <laughs> and don't look at Wikipedia for this episode. I, I won't. I won't. But I do know that she is returned to her body, as in her mind is returned to her body, because if she were a slug creature with a poisonous stinger, then I feel like that audiobook would have gone slightly differently. Like, people would have gone, <laughs> you don't really seem to fit into, where was it set? I can't remember where it was set. Somewhere in the States, wherever she's from. It's like, yeah, people wouldn't have recognized her as Perry. Yeah. What about Doc, then? We have three different versions of Doc. We have real Doc in the episode, we have evil Doc in the episode, and we have Doc in court. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's a reasonable way of splitting those up. In court, he is much less compelling here than he was in part one. Yeah, I would agree. I still enjoyed it, I think, for the most part. But in part one, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And Mm. I actually wrote down a positive from the start, which maybe in hindsight isn't a positive. But like oh. right at the start of the first episode, the Inquisitor shoots down all of Doc's something yard jokes. Mm. He's like, "There's no shipyard, there's no knacker's yard, or whatever." She's, you know, she yeah. lists loads of yard things, and like they're off the table. Stop doing all that. And I thought that was nice. Actually, it's like we had all that in the first serial. We can leave that behind. But then I feel like actually that was a a drawing of a line to say, you know what, Doc's not going to get a lot of banter in this this serial, which... Oh, I see, yeah. Yeah. I feel like the entire ambience in the court is slightly different. The the whole thing of the Valyard calling her sagacity, pretty sure he didn't do that in part one, right? And here, he does Mm. constantly. He's constantly calling her sagacity. So there's... Well, that also seems like something he would have done from the get-go. Yeah, we're to change in the middle of a trial which is i mean basically what's happened like no time is meant to have changed between yeah, exactly. the end of the last serial and the f- first episode of this one so i find it very difficult to rate how doc is anyways like to kind of return this to doc i find it very difficult to rate his performance and appearance in this serial for this reason like there's there's something incredibly yeah. untrustworthy 
affects this performance. Yeah, I think I think you're right actually because I didn't I didn't understand how they expected us just to take what we were seeing in the the video episode where Doc is just being an asshole without the underlying ploy being obvious. But then yeah. at the same time, he's not helping himself much in the trial. Like he says he can't remember stuff and they jump on him for that and he immediately backtracks and says, oh no, of course I can remember, you know, all this kind of stuff. And Yeah, so which is it? Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, then he's kind of going, oh yeah, that did happen, but it wasn't like that. And I don't know, he's not, he's not really helping himself. He's not being commanding. He's not just saying, this is not what happened at every juncture like he's it's only towards the end that he's screaming at them like it definitely didn't happen like that and he yeah, should be doing agreed. that all the way through i think exactly my friend yeah, that uh, agrees I with me. completely <laughs> completely agree. Ab- absolutely your friend who agrees with you that should have been the case from the get-go in fact you know when sagacity the inquisitor or whatever her moniker is when she goes you don't seem entirely okay like you don't seem to remember or be intellectually mentally all present you should probably have one of our coin-appointed defenders. And he declines that offer. I found myself thinking, yeah, please do. <laughs> we, we need we need to substantiate this trial more at the moment. If he is there as a defense attorney for himself, he is doing a terrible job. He's yeah. never defending himself. Yeah. Which, yeah, which is a real problem. Because I think she also gives him the out of just like a pause or something, like adjournment. And he doesn't even take that. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, I'm not, not going to have a break. Yeah, which is really weird. But then the cliffhanger, you know, in quotes, because it's not really a cliffhanger, ending of this serial is how he's he's utterly convinced that something fishy is going on and he's going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. But that's just, exactly. that's such a, a weak end when he's been so pathetic in court up to this point it just doesn't hold any water yeah i completely agree and also when we first realize or when he first realizes that the witness testimony of the matrix is not accurate shouldn't he at that point be tremendously concerned about the validity of this trial that's that's like yeah. he could instantly call a mistrial in that final bit that he says he, he adds he thinks the valyard has a different reason for calling all this evidence into play like there's yeah there is this is a mistrial i need to know why it is a mistrial but if it's a mistrial then we shouldn't go on with it like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we, we should we should just stop it right now and we should investigate that <laughs> yeah and if he's on trial and he can't stop it then it doesn't matter if he calls it a mistrial (laughs) that is he might as well go straight to execution yeah no i I see your point and yeah i can't really dispute it and the other thing is we've seen stuff with this matrix before like this is what they're claiming they're getting all this footage from is the matrix that i mean i feel like they're playing a bit loosey-goosey with what it is and how it works Oh, absolutely. Previously, it had like all the minds of the previous presidents of Gallifrey in there. And then the master got in there and fucked around quite happily for a bit. And it was doing lots of weird shit it wasn't meant to be doing. And I'm sure if you plucked out a story from it while the master was monkeying around with it, it would not have told the truth. And it's like, 
Yeah. We know that it can be manipulated. We saw that in a previous serial. I mean, I mean, I know this is probably like 15 years later or something weird like that, but give give your long fans some credit maybe of like it's not as robust as you say it is, and Doc knows yeah, that exactly. as well. Exactly. Yeah. The last time we went in there, Tom Baker had to like run away from was it like a robot with a bow and arrow or something? <laughs> like it, it's a shit system. It is full of bugs. <laughs> yeah. And utterly nefarious. Mm. And I, uh, I, I love the concept of this serial. I really do. Like, I was so looking forward to getting to this serial to review it. Like, the, the whole yeah. season, I mean. Sure. And it's, it's just, now we're into part two, and it's taken a little bit of a dive in, uh, it seems, both our opinions. It's just a little bit, you know, disappointing, because it's it's such a good concept. And then... Oh, but I think, yeah, but I think it's going to get better. I, I have a feeling that so. it's going to get so. really, really good. Because <laughs> as, a, as a whole, this season is utterly legendary. And I don't think it, I've never heard it spoken of as, oh, you know, that famously bad season. It, it's just that, that famously different one serial season long one serial which yeah. is that in itself is already a positive to me yeah. so uh, yeah I, I, th- I think it's gonna get better also the next one the vervoids that's the one with the uh, vagina penis plant aliens right i'm pretty sure oh i think you might be right yeah i think i think so oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah i'm gonna be recording that review shirtless <laughs> <laughs> As long as it's just the shirt that is off. <laughs> Slathered. Well, that's all you're going to see. Slathered in olive oil. <laughs> going to be a great recording. We're going to have a blast. We might need yeah. to record that on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just just in terms of kind of missed opportunities, because there's there's a nice point in this where right at the start, you know, we haven't even talked actually about the opening that they land on this planet and it's what is oh, it? Yeah. It's pink sea, blue coastline. Beautiful. There's a ringed planet on yep. the horizon setting like the sun in a Gorgeous. That's right, yeah. Which is, there's a bit of trivia associated with that, but go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so pin that. But basically then we get a little fast forward moment because we nip to the courtroom and Doc says is you know how relevant is it to watch us come out of the TARDIS and you know walk across the coastline and they go <laughs> yeah 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 you're right fast forward a bit <laughs> and like there's there's so much you can do with it even you know in little fun ways like that this you know the concept of an episode in an episode as it were you know you're, yeah. you're watching a recording you can treat that with a lot of different you know I don't know. It's just there should be more stuff like that. <laughs> I completely agree. <laughs> what 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 would make it absolutely lovely would be if if we got to see them sort of space balls esque fast forward <laughs> through scenes. Yes. <laughs> Where are we? We watch now? the episode. We don't no, even have to come now? back to the. There now. <laughs> Oh man, I need to watch Spaceballs again. <laughs> I know, me too. What was I going to say? Yeah, so we don't even have to cut back to the courtroom. We just, we watch the episode. It could be a little shorter than it would otherwise be, but we have it like properly Mystery Science Theater 3000. So occasionally we just hear Colin Baker and the Inquisitor and the Valyard talk over the episode that we're watching and then it just fast forwards through a bit and it's just like, oh, this is a really boring bit. Maybe fast forward. Wait, can we go yeah. back? I think I just saw someone blow their nose in the background. You know, that sort of thing. It'd be great. That would be good. What I was going to say about the ringed planet, Thoros, Thoros Beta, Thoros Alpha, whichever one it is that you see in the background, that is, that's a copy of, from a, a film called The Quiet Earth. And in fact, I, I haven't seen it, but I did Google The Quiet Earth before we press record. 
And on the poster of it, even, you have exactly that background. And they, I don't know if you can legitimately say that they were inspired by it. It's uh, referred to as a duplicate on Todd's Wikia. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's Mormon inspired. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's copying. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so we've talked Perry, we've talked Doc. Can we, can, okay, I've got another thing about, it's it's not necessarily about the trial as such, but it's about how this episode is used as evidence. Okay. So presumably, every installment of Trial of a Time Lord is designed to be another piece of evidence that proves that Doc has broken the laws of Gallifrey and therefore needs to be executed, which is redonkulous. I don't feel like they execute people for doing that kind of shit. But anyway, here, what he has what he has done is he's gone and meddled a little bit and they decided to interfere, take him out of this situation before he even had a chance to rescue Perry for example. And the reason they've done that is that the next step here is that that scientist will have invented the technology to sort of altered carbon people. Did you watch Altered Carbon? Fucking awesome TV show. Transferring the consciousness from one body into another and allowing people to live forever. New new idea in sci-fi, yes. (laughs) No, exactly. Yeah. And it seems to me that that scientist would have done that anyway. He didn't invent that because Doc showed up. Doc didn't help him with the technology. He was already well on his way to creating that technology. Yeah. No, I I think you're right. Doc Doc does help out... With the first transplant, I think. But this is, yeah, this is possibly, I think you might have put a pin down on this, but I don't know if this is what you were going to get at, but... Oh, maybe. The science on show here seemed very, well, varying. (laughs) Like, I got the impression (laughs) the first transfer of Kiv from his old body to the new Mm. stinger tail, you know, attire was... A physical brain swap. Like, I don't know, I like agree. brain surgery type thing. Yeah, I agree. And then, but the actual technology he's trying to perfect is more a downloading Johnny of mnemonic. consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. They're not in the remotest bit related in my mind. No, I don't know. They are completely, Maybe I'm the simple you're right. But <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm not a brain surgeon myself. <laughs> yeah, no, I. you're right. I agree with you. That's... Oh my god, you're so right. That's fucking redonk. Those are two entirely separate bits of technology. I mean, I can't imagine anyone, even the smartest person around. And this guy doesn't come across as the smartest person around, to be honest. He just comes across no. as, I mean, mostly just as an arsehole, which is fine. He's yeah. meant <laughs> yeah. to be an arsehole. <laughs> but, but he's kind of, he's, yeah. he's a Frankenstein guy. I mean, I guess they, I mean, they have to be successful. Or do they? I don't know. Maybe they don't have to, like, well, this whole he, thing about they, they transplant the brain successfully. Like, that doesn't need to happen. It's, could all be about transferring the consciousness and then it only finally happens at the end yeah exactly it's just i don't know just really weird mishmashing of of ideas when he he didn't want to do the brain transplant either he was always after this other thing that was the the golden egg that he wanted yeah Uh, okay i've just had a flashback from this episode when we are first introduced to brian blessed's character he's lying down on a slab as in whatever on a gurney and in the lab there is a pulsating brain like there's just a straight up brain in a jar it's pulsating and i remember at the time thinking is that brian blessed's brain because they keep manipulating it and he keeps reacting like he's laying down in a different part of the lab and every time they poke at it or whatever they press a button he's 
moving things. He's moving his leg or whatever it is. Really? I didn't pick up on this. I barely noticed that there was a brain, to be honest. And then I Are did you looking at it now? Him. I swear to God, there's a brain. No, I think you're right. I, th- I think there was a bit in the transcript where I was looking at some of the dialogue and it mentioned that he grabs the brain on the way out or something like that. And, and then what? Does he eat it to I put it back know. inside his head? <laughs> <laughs> If that's his brain, then he is boned. If it's not his brain, is the idea perhaps, oh, well, we're going to, as an experiment, we're going to have, we're going to move his, the consciousness from this pulsating brain into Brian Blessed's body. Because when he wakes up, he's like massively discombobulated. He's all over the place. Yeah. I, I, I was a bit confused about the technology being wielded here. And then it also felt like they were trying to like subdue Brian Bless's character and it kind of almost dumbed him down a bit. That was the kind of impression I was getting. And then when it happened to Doc, he also seemed dumb. Like he was mm. he was out of it, but also seemed dumb when when he was coming back too. And then yeah. that rolled into him being the kind of evil Doctor character. Yeah, exactly. And I'm assuming that's that's a red herring. Well, I'm assuming that we're meant to think, oh, they have transplanted evil into him or goodness out of him or something. Yeah, I don't know. But I was just I was a bit confused about what, all of all of that stuff, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, I same. Ditto. Hence this yeah. baffling reaction of ours to this episode. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe I just wasn't feeling it. Maybe if I watched it again, which I probably won't, I would pick up on more of these points <laughs> and it would make sense. I like to be able to watch something through and understand it first time. And it's very rare that I don't. Like, I'm not like saying I've got a humongous brain or anything, but I try and pay enough attention <laughs> that if it's well written, like I can piece things together. And sometimes I write in notes and I do miss something because it's hard to write notes and carry on watching. But I definitely struggled with this one i feel like a lot of stuff just didn't make sense (laughs) same it doesn't help that it's not that compelling a serial yeah the natural instinct is to zone out a little bit but okay all right so we haven't actually talked a lot about sill he's come up a couple of times Mm. but i actually have a fair few notes around sill which surprised me Mm. when i was scanning through but yeah thing things like Sill is amazingly sycophantic. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is indeed. <laughs> Immediately followed up by a question I was asking myself, really, is Sill planning to take over? Like, did you get that feeling through all of this that Sill was only looking after Kiv until he could overthrow him somehow? I don't know. Yeah, th- there's. he's definitely in a, out of self-interest, right? Like, he, he yeah. wants Kiv to survive so that he himself is not liquefied, and he also wants Kiv to survive so that he can learn from him how to negotiate better deals. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah. I mean, he hates that old man, doesn't he? He he just wants to he wants to be in charge. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Fits with the character. Yeah. The other question I had around Sil was I mean, it's kind of a double question of how much we believe this to be true, I I suppose, but like Doc effectively wins the trust of Sil. And I don't know, do you believe that's that's real? Do you think Sil like it does take a little while for him to realize that Doc might be useful and actually helping them? Because I think at at some point he is suspicious and he's like contemplating Doc being the donor body out loud or something like that. But then later on, like he's showing him like tricks of the trade or something and Doc gives him this little tip of like, oh you should you should give these what are they called? Like pirate looter scavenger people money to buy a new ship because there's loads of salvage around that bit. I remember 
remember oh, yeah. that being a good oh. treasure find. They'll get you loads of loot. Oh, it's so profitable to have a Time Lord on payroll or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And do you think he was he was really thinking Doc was on their side? I think so, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's also symptomatic of this episode not quite having figured out what the internal logic about Doctor's loyalty is. Is the serial that we're watching a serial where he is misrepresented as actually being loyal to only himself and the people who can keep him alive? In which case, Syl has every reason and every right to trust Doc. Or is it that we are meant to believe that he has been mind warped in some way and that he is now evil, in which case, again, Syl might think, yeah, well, obviously he his brain scrambled, so I can now trust him to do the, from my point of view, profitable and right thing. Yeah. I don't think that's been entirely clarified, but if we assume that either one of those is even remotely true, then yeah, I think I think Sil does trust Doc. As you say, it takes a while, but I think ultimately he does. Well, I mean, the other thing is you only have to have the assumption that Sil believes that to be the case. So the third, and what I'm assuming will play out to be final correct option, is that Doc throughout this escapade was like pretending to be helpful you know doing the very doctor-like thing of leading people on being a bit duplicitous and all the while is not being an asshole to perry like it has has tried to help perry and that stuff's been manipulated but has presented this false version of a doctor to sill and sills bought it 100 percent. look hook line and zinker sort of thing yeah that's that's also a, a solid possibility but we will have to see i guess yeah but I don't feel that that was convincingly <laughs> brought no, across in the serial. But but yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Like I'm I'm expecting this to happen, and I'm expecting to be disappointed, even though my prediction will be true because it will. Be <laughs> you know what's going to happen, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, same. Anything else about Sid? Just his passing line about Perry when Kiv comes <laughs> alive in Perry's body. <laughs> it just says very quite quietly as well in a bit of a, a, a comedy tone of I wish you could have found a more attractive one talking about yeah he's, his he's boss's basically body. thinking to himself like oh god Perry buff ugh gross yeah, two just, legs yeah uh, it's, it's a nice flip on how often characters are fawning all over her yeah that's true but you know what in the very beginning before they've even ventured below ground she mentions that in the unseen adventure that they've been on in between serials, exactly that did happen to her. She talks about a yes. warlord. Dirty I'm old warlord. This. What was it? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, which is hilarious. I can't remember what, it, what she says now. I made a note of it somewhere. Oh, I've, I've, I can't find that a note now. But yeah, whatever it was. Oh yeah, beams that kill wasn't the only thing he had on his mind. Dirty old warlord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Which is actually quite self-aware in a sense. Yeah, I think that was nice in this serial to have yeah. a couple of things to do with that. And it was only the annoying fact that Brian Blessed's character suddenly decides that she's his queen to be. Yeah, and we don't fucked it up. Yeah, a bit. there's no real reason why, right? It's like there's yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was gonna bring up something about not Sil but Kiv. Oh, yeah, please. Two do. two observations about Kiv. The first one is that we have old Kiv, then we have young Kiv, and then we have Perry Kiv, right? And when old Kiv is looking across at what is going to be young Kiv with the stinger, yeah, they say, "Oh, he looks. He actually looks a little bit like me." And I'm, I feel almost certain that what they've done is they've taken a mask 
of the actor and placed it on the person who's wearing Young Kiv's body at that point, like the prop. Yeah, probably. So when they transfer his brain across, they just take off the mask and it's just his face, which I think is pretty cool. The second thing was, that's Christopher Ryan, who played Mike in The Young Ones. Yeah, I spotted that in the cast list and I was like, what? No, can't have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's 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 very good. Have I mean, we yeah, had the entire cast now? We've had, well, we've had Nigel Planer in at least an audiobook. Neil. Okay. We had him. We had Alexei Sale quite recently in whatever it was called. Yes. Yes, we did. Now we've had Chris Ryan. <laughs> Chris Ryan, that's just one of me. I don't think... Do we ever have Rick Mayall or Aid Edmondson? I don't think so. I am not aware of it. If we've seen it already, I've forgotten. Maybe he says no. There we go, then. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's, uh, that's okay. Just have to settle for half. Sound the Segway klaxon. <laughs> move (laughs) (laughs) oh is that the Segway klaxon I think it might be only one more bullet point on my list here of talking points feel free to pong my ping but it it would be about representation so we have I was very pleasantly surprised to see and to hear in the very very beginning after they've gone underground they've been attacked by the crab lizard whatever it is the chief of security like the head guard shows up, is very assertive of his authority, and he's a he's a black guy, and is in that sense very much in the minority of characters of the week. This is such a rare occurrence on the BBC, even in 1986, yeah. that when it happens, it really stands out as, yes, progress. Yeah, definitely. And there's a character that's not just in it at the start and drops out or anything. Throughout. Like yeah. Throughout the entire serial. Mm. And arguably, even though, I mean, there, there are just kind of too many characters in general in this serial. So for that reason, no one character really gets lots of meat to them. But arguably one of the more interesting ones. True. Yeah, it's it's a character as well that you're kind of questioning all the time. Like you said, like, why are all these human-looking people here on this planet that's yeah. meant to be for the mentors? Have some of them been hired? Are some of them here under duress? But it seems all the guards and people who have prominent roles are quite happy to be there. So are they just exactly. evil bastards for hire? Or, you know, what's their deal? And, I mean, it goes goes for this character as well. I think he's called Frax. Frax. Yeah, like, he's how did he get this gig? Why did he get to... this gig? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what's his deal? Does he... Do all these guards get paid really well? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but, but it is very interesting. He is this serial's answer to Colin Baker's character when he was that Gallifreyan guard before he was the Doctor. Like, the, the most prominent guard character with the most interesting lines and development. So, yeah, very cool. We also get the second doctor, second surgeon, or the the person who works with the mad scientist is a black woman. But here's why I'm bringing this up. That's great. I'm glad that we're getting a bit of representation. and it's, it's, It's positive in that sense. But we also still have some of those... Like, like remnants of those, relatively speaking, archaic BBC values of we're going to hire some black actors to just stand around, say absolutely nothing and not wear a shirt and be muscular. I think we have two of them, in fact, carrying Kiv around, yes. Kiv still. And they're, they're just like, standing in the middle of a scene. They're wearing very little in order to accentuate their physique because they've like, they're clearly, they've cast very muscular dudes. And it really stands out in contrast, I think, to characters like this head guard. I was like, wow. 
fuck that some of some of this is just kind of progressive and how it should be and some of the rest of it is just the bbc not having gotten out of certain kinds of casting yeah no i do see your point i guess the only i'm not going to try and defend it but the, the only thing slightly in its favor is that they had established this i'm pretty sure those are the same i mean possibly not the same actors but the same look and feel as it were for the bodyguards that still had in vengeance on virus I, I oh recall. i see oh i've forgotten that entirely like these these are his guards these you know follow him very closely i think kiff does have guards he's like personal guards yeah maybe yeah do they look the same i can't remember if they have the same outfits or i not. don't remember but they because they're the remember. ones that start threatening sill when it looks like the transplant isn't going yeah, very yeah, well the ones who are going to liquefy him yeah 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 so they've kind of established and these these are the slaves i think as well i i would suspect I don't oh, know, I but then you want saying, your bodyguards yeah. to be loyal. I don't know. It's yeah, it's dodgy mm. ground, definitely, especially if they're slaves. And you're right the the BBC probably aren't quite comfortable yet in 1986 with doing things the right way. But bless them, they're trying. <laughs> Brian, bless them, they're trying. <laughs> Shall we try to rate this serial? Oh no, that was a nice segue. Yes, let's. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey la 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 la. Ratings. Writer Rooney and Cheesecakes Podcast Land. We have arrived at the hour mini section of this podcast episode. And what with Jim Cakes being nimble of finger, I am the one who's going first. Can we just leave it out there as me being nimble in finger? You know, Wait, the do you not want the internet to know this about you? <laughs> tip of nose game. I'm not a thief. <laughs> I'm not a pickpocket. <laughs> is that what that means? Nimble of finger? It sounds like it. Is that being... Oh, okay. I was... I, my mind went straight to fingering. <laughs> oh, okay. Fine. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Right, okay, so I've got my usual set of category bullet points, and I'm going to rattle through these. So I'm going to start with Doc, obviously, and I feel that Colin Baker gives... He gives an absolutely wonderful performance until the serial sadly muddies the water and confuses everyone, including Colin, it seems, about what his motivations are. So with that in mind, I think I loved Doc at the very start and I loved him at the very end. But in between, I was too confused to do anything more than just like him. Perry, meanwhile, is frankly perfect here. She's resourceful and clever. She solves problems. She's gung-ho. Yes, she's also a damsel in distress now and then, but she's mostly full of agency and chutzpah. Great. More of that, please. Oh, has her brain been transplanted? Sorry, no more of that. Well, I think more of that. We'll see. Brian Blessed as well. Wow. Scrum brum savalula. I looked it up. What an <laughs> utter ledge. Thanks, Bri Bri, for adding a minimum of 0.7 to my score with your mere presence. For anyone who's keeping track, that's about 0.00001 per decibel. And most of the cliffhangers in the serial are resolved with a blessed ex machina to boot, which was a welcome treat to mine eye. The foes, well, the jabbers were enjoyable, ultimately a little overused for my liking. In fact, if it weren't for Philip Martin's utter inability to write anything without freaking mentors in it, this could have been a great episode about a mad scientist who uses environmentally sustainable technology to power his nefarious joint get-out-and-altered-carbon-reboot underground. But nay, I tell thee. Production value, all amazing, except for that fucking dog guy whose jaw must have been so sore after each take. Wow, he annoyed me. Greatest asset? Perry. No doubt. Sorry. Wait, there is doubt. Brian Blessed. Sorry, Perry. <laughs> <laughs> 
greatest asset, Ooh. Brian Blessed. Second greatest <laughs> asset, Perry. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly, some doubt. Biggest flaw, the serial is just chaotic, man. There's so much happening with so little consequence that it feels like they were approaching the end of a fiscal year and they had to ham-fist all the junk they had lying around in the back of the BBC warehouse as a tax write-off. As a consequence, I'm giving this a rating of 2.0. And to be clear, that is half of what I gave Vengeance on Varos last time we had this writer and this foe. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, good stuff, my friends. Very nice. Yeah. Oh, why, thank you. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> my turn. Thanks. I will pick up the baton you just dropped on the floor. Didn't pass it to mm. me nicely or anything. Jeez. <laughs> Is that yeah. a baton on the floor or are you just happy to... Oh, that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have very similar thoughts, really. Probably summed up in quite a different fashion, though. Uh, oh, okay. Basically, I've got notes that have some thumbs up by them or some thumbs down. And yeah. I'm going to ramble about those now. So, thumbs up. You know what? I like Syl. I kind of get why <laughs> Philip, Mar- <laughs> Philip Martin, is it? Yeah. Loves him yeah. so much. Can't write anything without him. It's just like, I can imagine he used to sit down and he would try and write a story. And, no, I shouldn't put Syl in this one. I shouldn't put Syl in this one. And then he would just picture him, particularly the portrayal of uh, the actor whose name escapes me at this second but mm. he just does such a wonderful job and yeah philip Marlowe's like oh okay fine it can have mentors in it this this story really needs mentors and i suppose yeah canonically still would be around at this point so still will be in it too yes there we go that's nice you know <laughs> and i get it to, to a large extent i get it yeah you mentioned this already but yeah the set's the production, the effects were really nice in this. I think I'm glad we didn't stay on the surface too much. That effect with the pink sea and what have you would have probably got tiring quite quickly, but it was yeah. still gorgeous to see it. I like that. Doc and Perry, I think overall were a thumbs up. Their relationship, I think, was still quite good in this. Doc had his good moments. Perry had a lot of good moments. It's definitely compared to other serials that we've seen her in. Little side note as well, like the performance where we get the Perry Kiv at the end was amazing. Love that. I don't know what the voice was. You're so right. If it was someone else's voice, if it was a mashup of the two voices or or what was going on there, but or if it was just someone's voice pitched differently. But yeah, that was incredible. Seeing such a different performance from Nicola Bryant, you know, in that character, but not that character. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And of course, Brian Blessed is in it. (laughs) Yeah. So automatic thumbs up. (laughs) Brian Blessed is in it. But then we get into the the thumbs down, because I think this is probably one of the worst parts he's had, at least that I have seen. I don't think it was a brilliant role for him. Obviously, he does the best Brian Blessed can in those situations, which is amazing. But still, it's, it's, it's let down a little bit here and there. The confusing science that we talked about, you know, is it brain surgery we should really be caring about? Is it some kind of digitizing or transferring consciousness, which seemed to be, you know, the big thing? Do those things really fit together? I don't know. Why are we shaving heads if it's about transferring consciousness? I Yeah. Oh my God, that's All such a, a bit, good point. A bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, I don't know. It just question mark the same thing with like the evilish doctor i think i get what they're trying to do i think they're trying to lay the seed that this whole matrix presentation of events has been manipulated most of that will be the portrayal of doctor of the doc sorry in this you know this uh, sequence of events and so that explains why doc appears like cowardly self-preserving 
you know, a turncoat, or, you know, all those negative things. But it doesn't yeah. get away from the fact that we watched the Doctor for probably half this serial, maybe more, being that weird, evilish version of the Doctor. And I'm going to be disappointed when they explain it in the next serial because I still had to sit through and watch that without any explanation in this serial. And yeah, it's just going to feel cheap. And on, on the other Agreed. side of that, when we're flipping backwards and forwards. Like we talked about, you know, Doc isn't defending himself very well. But also the courtroom didn't have that banter anymore. It just, I don't know, felt flat. And the biggest thumbs down is just so much of this. I think what you were saying, Leon, about it being a bit, you know, confusing, meandering. You know, we talked about this as well. But it just felt, it just couldn't escape my feelings that there are a lot of scenes, there are a lot of characters, there are a lot of plot lines that just felt entirely superfluous. Like either they didn't go anywhere or they went there in 30 seconds and then done with or, you know, they meandered around and came back five scenes later to barely do anything, you know. Yeah. Just felt like it was adding to confusion. It was adding to my lack of enjoyment and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, it's not a great serial. It's not terrible. I'm in a similar ballpark to you. 2.3. 2.3, nice. You know what? Respectable. Yeah. Excellent mini. Just below average. Mm. Mm. Right. So that's what, that's what we think. Shall we see if Podcast Land agrees with us? Oh, we better. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Shazamatron! Okay, welcome to the listener mini section. As per usual, we've got tons, and we're going to read three minis in their full splendor, and the rest we're going to snip, and uh, we wholeheartedly recommend that you go to whobackwon.com and read all of these minis in their full splendor there. So, here we go. Who's first? Oh, wow. I believe we've got one of these, Jim. New reviewer. <laughs> it's Lawrence. Hello, Lawrence. Hello, Lawrence. Good to see you. I mean, we can't see you, but your words <laughs> on my screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Lawrence starts. <gasps> this is my first public review ever. Yes, it is, Lawrence. Welcome aboard. I've been watching Doctor Who since I saw the first episode, An Unearthly Child, live on a black and white TV in 1963, and quickly moved behind the sofa for the subsequent episodes. Ooh! I avidly followed the adventures of William Hartnell, Patrick Troughton, John Pertwee, and Tom Baker, but stopped watching after that. I picked it up again with Matt Smith, and I've since watched regularly from then. As his backstory continues, when I retired to the Philippines, I thought it was time for a catch-up to watch every single episode from the beginning, and I looked for an accompanying podcast. It didn't take long to find Who Back When, and you have been Yay. my constant, trusted, and faithful companion for both classic and new Who. <laughs> Yay! Oh. <laughs> this is wonderful. Well up. <laughs> Lawrence continues, Thanks guys and gal for a massively entertaining podcast over all these years. Here is my review of Mind Warp. It's got Brian Blessed! Rating? <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence, you're a genius. <laughs> He gives this a rating of 5.0 out of 5, then corrects himself, no, 10 out of 5. No, my final rating, he says, is, it's got Brian Blessed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. solid. It's Absolutely a solid fantastic. review and rating. Yeah. <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to fault a lot of the logic. <laughs> Good so stuff, true. Lawrence. 
Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Lawrence. Oh, Lawrence adds a PS. I may possibly be your only listener whose home is in the caldera of an extinct, I hope, volcano. Ooh, would that be the Apolaki caldera? I just Googled Philippines caldera. Fantastic, Lawrence. Welcome aboard. Thank you so much for your mini. Please do keep them coming. Very pleased to be traveling down this temporal road with you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Fine. Yes. It's called Pride Blessed. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, of course, I forgot. Thank you very much. Who's next? Why, it's a little chap we call Richie Black. What up? Richie Von Sexington. How does Richie start? Hello, Richie. Richie starts. Oh, we finally ended the run of good stories. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Something incredible to think when this one's star guest is Brian Blessed. This mm. was the story that stopped me watching Who religiously as a kid. Oh no. oh no, it's an okay story, I guess. But again, the stop and start nature of the court setting for me stops the story getting going. And ideas that could have been fleshed out never are. But, continues Richie, the thing that grinds my gears is the worst exit of a companion in all of Who. What? And I'm counting Katrina in that from Master Plan. How this was supposed to win people back to Who, I have no idea. It is just wank and with none of the gravitas given to Adric. Nothing wrong with a companion death done right. This wasn't. Ooh. And Richie concludes, I can't give this more than 1.5. Please, let's ignore Brian Blessed's makeup. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Is this I, I, picking up what I think you... Rich, I think I know. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think this yeah. is my friend Richie's with me. Okay. Holy smokes. Wait, it, is this her exit? How? I'm going to wait and see. I wonder if... I mean, this, this, I mean, it's been spoiled in a different way, so I feel like I can point out this is the spoiler that I accidentally read earlier. And oh, that this I'm, is her exit. Yeah, this is... On Wikipedia, it listed, it says, her last serial, her last episode. I can't forget how they phrase it. Wait, what? Um, and I'm like, what? No, this makes no sense whatsoever. And uh, yeah, based on Richie's review, I guess it is. And I would be, if I fully understood that this was truly happening, <laughs> as outrageous yeah. Richie is. <laughs> yeah, same. Oh, I am shocked by that. I feel like we would have probably spent a lot more time talking about Perry if we had known that this was her farewell episode. What? I know. It just doesn't, it really doesn't feel like it. So I, I'm not I, at I'm all sure Richie is right, but I'm not <laughs> wanting to believe it. I can't accept that this is what they did. That's just horrible. That is truly horrible. Yes. Oh, yikes. Okay. Well, yeah, I completely get where you're coming from, Richie. People who are not Richie should high five Richie online and, and tell him uh, they probably agree with him as well. Richie can be found aware, Jim. On Twitter at Richie Sexington. Hmm. All in one word for your sexy convenience. Thank you, Richie. Thank you, Richie. Who's next? It's Sorry, I a little me. chap called Ed Corbet. Maybe. It's Ed Corbet or Ed Corbet. It's one of those. That's right. It's Ed. Hello, Ed. Hello, Ed. <laughs> he says with a mouthful of whiskey. That was really bad. Ed starts. The visual effect used in the opening gave the planet a unique feel. I think it worked better on the water than when they went ashore, but I appreciate the effort. I liked how Patrick Reichart underplayed Crozier rather than going full-on mad scientist. A mere mm, 0.5 soul deeds. I mean... <laughs> Excellent scale. That's still quite a lot on the soul deeds scale, actually. <laughs> that's, that's such a good ranking system. All your system, yeah. though. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> As Doctor Who villains tend to overplay it, I enjoy the occasional change of pace. 
I liked Philip Maddock in the War Games for similar reasons. Also, swigging his tea before starting CPR yes. was a nice touch. Yes, it really was. That's such a good scene. It's in my notes as well. Where it's like the other doctor or nurse or whatever says, like, "Oh, he, he's suffering a cardiac arrest, and he still has time to finish the tea, put it down on the saucer, <laughs> hand it over, and then he starts giving him treatment." So good. That's lovely. Yeah, nice one, Ed. Continues. They made the mistake they avoided in the last story by making the cliffhangers endanger the doctor we know he's fine he's literally watching this flashback along with us to maintain the surprises of whether the doctor was faking working with the villains and what happened to perry they give doc memory loss but it felt contrived purely to maintain these mysteries it's not massively explained what the cause of it is mm. yeah agreed that continues in fact concludes the time lord's trial continues with another okay story it's slightly hurt by not having a proper ending as the trial framing device is taking priority over the individual stories that comprise it. The key to time balanced it the other way and time will tell which is better. Technically, it already has, but I'm playing along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you for playing along. With that. I keep reminding myself there are technically still six episodes of this story left and things may make more sense then. Although remembering nothing about it from watching it as a kid does not fill me with encouragement. Oh, no. Mm, it might still be good. What does Ed give this? Oh, it's a very beautiful looking score of 2.3 out of 5. <laughs> excellent. Oh, well done, Ed. Fantastic. Yeah, excellent mini, excellent racing. Very good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. Thank still, you, still Ed. Still 0.5 soul deeds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we might have to steal that scale. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> right, henceforth, snip snipperoonies only. Who's next? It's the Zoonmeister himself, Peter Zunich. What a Peter! And Peter gives this 2.5 times I've looked up sagacity in the dictionary. All right, my Hawkman, dive! <laughs> I think he's better as well. <laughs> Nice, yes. <laughs> nice one, Peter. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Who's next? It's Diva from Canada. From Canada. <laughs> okay. No, we were so out of sync just in the yeah, style of singing. Yeah, there's a massive delay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, I don't Steven, think the sorry. lag was to blame. <laughs> <laughs> What does Stephen give this? Stephen says, overall, the story earns 3.5 Brian Blessed Screams out of 5. Nice. <laughs> Good People stuff. who are not Stephen, please say hi to Stephen online. He can be found at S under Yetchen. All in one word for your convenience. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Who's next? Why? <laughs> Negroni's man. Up, we've got. Kieran Evan. Ooh, Kieran. What up, Kieran? Hello. What does Kieran say? Kieran concludes with, It's a Marmite story, but once again, just like the spreadable yeast extract, I like it. Segment, 3.6 out of 5. Trial scenes, 3.2. And then you killed Perry. I, I, I still can't believe in myself, frankly. Wow. wow. I think we might, uh, might have to do a bonus of just like how <laughs> this has blindsided us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe we need a companion retrospective. Yeah, thank you very much, Kieran. People who are not Kieran, you care about the environment, don't you? Well, you can do something about it. Go to at KJEvans2 and use the promo code <laughs> cop27 for <laughs> for a discount that's right yeah do that kj evans too for all your evan needs twice 
Thank you. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> Who's next? Why, it's... Oh, it's JP. I say G, you say P. G. P. G. P. Yeah, that's right. What up, GP? <laughs> Hello, GP. <laughs> what does GP give this? Well, rating-wise, says it's 2.5 Brian Blessed Cave Roars. Oh, nice. Roar. Really echoey ones. <laughs> The only roars that can be described as bearded. (laughs) True. (laughs) And people who are not GP, shame on you. Well, fret not, you can head on over to Instagram and to YouTube where you can find GP. Follow him on his traveling exploits at what, Jim? Finding G-spots all in one word. Thanks, GP. Thanks, GP. And thanks for having that handle that I have to say every time. <laughs> Yow's next. I don't know what that is. Who's next? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Play that forward. Next up, it's Neil. What up, Neil? Neil gives this a spectacular rating of 2.3. He much preferred the Ooh. mysterious planet. Yeah. 2.3. That's a pretty good rating, That's I believe. This is another friend uh, who agrees with you. Yes, yes. There's my friend. Agreeing. Yeah. Neil can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Neil Andrazoni and Neil James Actor, respectively. That's right. Yeah. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you, Neil. Who's penultimate? But ultimately, we've got that lovely chap who is Michael Ridgway. 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 <laughs> Hello, Michael. Hello there, Michael. And Michael gives us a rating of 2.8 out of 5. Plus, Brian, blessed bonus points. So you get 7.8 out of 5. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, very good stuff. People who are not Michael, please do say hi to Michael online. He can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. <laughs> nice stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. That's right. And when you do find him on Twitter, tell him Michael so big. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Who's last? Last up is Mr. Tan Six Fingers. What up, Tans? Tans gives this a rating of 3.0 transplanted brains out of 5. Which I think mm-hmm. means Tans is, it, Tans is in the, this is a physical, you know, biological transplant as opposed to a software download camp. It would seem so. And in yeah. the more enjoying this serial camp as well. Yeah. Good yeah, stuff. Certainly. Thank you, Tans. Yeah. Very good. Tans. Fantastic. Thank you very much. People who are not Tans can head on over to Twitter and Insta where they can find him at Tans Six Fingers and Tans Six Fingers. Respectively. That's six yes. the number and six the word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know by now. That's right. Thank you very much, Tans. And in fact, thank you everyone who sent in a mini for these. Once again, Podcast Land, for all the ones in particular that we just snipped a second ago, please head on over to whobackwhen.com, read them in their full splendor. Thank you very much. That pretty much concludes our Mind Warp soiree. But this is not the end of Doctor Who. What have we got coming up next? Next, we have a new Who review. What's that going to be, Cakes? It's going to be what I recall to be a very nice episode 
called Fugitive mm. of the Dune. Dang, right it is. I also remember that being utterly spectacular. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very good stuff. After that, we're back um, in Classic Who territory. Classic Land, we will be back once again with this trial that is ongoing and That's into right. the terror of the Fervoids. Oh, it feels like it's been nine years of longing to see these vaginal <laughs> penis plant aliens. Cannot wait. It's going to be really good. After that, we're going to, at some point, we haven't really timed this yet, but at some point we're going to do an Audio Who review as well. That's going to be of Doctor Who Redacted. That's the next one in line. And in bonus Who territory, we've alluded to this in the new Who channel. It's probably going to be some bloops. Very sorry about that. I know that I've scheduled the strange readings, but we still need to record so, so much of it. So yeah, it's, it's going to be next year. But that's a, that's it for now. In the meantime, you can say hello to us online. Jim, you have done the sensible thing and have left Twitter, I believe. Yes, that's true. I'm currently seeking a new home. <laughs> but for now, you can you can email in who back when, or, or much more easier is probably just to Pastor Leon on Twitter. So where can they find you? That's a fair point. So podcast line, if you want to communicate with Jim Cakes, ping a message to at who back when, and the message will somehow get passed along. Fret not, or email who back when at gmail.com. You can also say hello to me. I am as yet still on Twitter, but remains to be seen for how much longer. I can be found at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. Yeah, that's about it for this evening. Jim, I've had a blast chatting with you. Thank you so much. Me too. Thank you. And mm, all those podcast pleasure. people there. They're a wonderful audience, aren't they? Yes, they are. They're absolutely lovely. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening to us. You are a wonderful audience, and we are so very, very lucky. Until the next time, please rock on, be rad and excellent to each other. And cha-chao. And just from me, see ya and cheers. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?